You're listening to the Inner Process Podcast with your hosts, Mike Bond and Jason Van Ruler. We're seasoned counselors and friends, and each episode, we discuss topics that help us live all around healthier lives. Listen in as we share personal stories, research, and our experiences as therapists. Thank you for joining us. All right. Well, today we are talking about anxiety. And my goal, at least with this episode, is to make Jason feel as anxious as I can feel. So we'll see how that goes. Did I do that right? Did I do that right? Yeah. See, it's okay. it's actually what you guys, what you listeners may already know is that's not that hard. So I'm not going to have to work too much at it. But to that end, I have a quick quiz for you that I thought that I'd throw out there. You ready for this? Ooh, yeah. Okay. We're talking about anxiety. So do you know, they, they, I don't know how they've come up with this, but essentially they have ranked the states in order of most anxious to least anxious. Okay. Okay. Now I'd like to see if you might take a guess as to what is the least anxious state in the United States anyway. You know, I think I would pick Hawaii. That's what I would think, right? I mean, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, so the least anxious state, according to this either poll or research or however they came at this, is actually Florida. That would have been my second guess. Yep. No, it would not. Have. I'm serious. Yeah, they're really? both warm climates. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I was surprised by that. I guess the warm climate thing, I suppose. And There's like alligators and stuff. You got to worry about that. Snakes, you know. Yeah. There's some things to be anxious about. but I mean, I suppose it's got its beauty and it's warm and people can get enough sun. Yeah, lots of beaches. Okay. Well, all right. Well, look, you did pretty well at that then, if you're being truthful anyway. I am. But what this really is, this is a quiz of places that we can't be employed, isn't it? Yeah, basically. I didn't look where our particular states are on the list. I should have done that. Yeah. The the parallel of where do they have the least amount of counselors? Hawaii, Florida. So they don't need, yeah, there's no need need for counseling. No. No Like we're, we're doing great. Thanks. So there you go. Actually, you did well with that. I was surprised by the Florida thing. I guess I didn't think about the warmth piece and some of that, but okay. That makes sense to me. Hawaii would make sense. That still to me would be the winner, but okay. Interestingly, the most anxious state was Oregon, which I I wouldn't wouldn't have guessed that because that's also a beautiful state. And so I don't know. All right. Well, we are talking about anxiety. I thought we would start just real quick with a little bit of maybe what for this episode anyway, we're specifically talking about with anxiety. We did an episode on fear. So if you're listening to this and you haven't checked that out, you should go and listen to that one. It's really good. In that episode, we were talking about fears that were specific things like the fear, mostly relationship, fear of rejection, fear of missing out on something, fear of failure, I think was failure. one of them. Yep. Right. So today with anxiety, um, sometimes when obviously there's overlap between fear and anxiety, and and many people will use those terms interchangeably, but today what we are talking about is that more generalized nature and state of anxiousness, right? So that as you're doing your daily life, sure, sometimes you're going to be really aware that you're anxious about a particular thing, and we're going to talk about that, but otherwise it's more general and your nervous system is a bit on overdrive, and it's in a general state. So that's what we are referencing. Usually with anxiety, the lack or the loss of control is the core kind of underlying piece to that, which can be an element, of course, of fear when we talk about it that way, but can be a little bit different too. So I think they're related, but also a little bit different, like you said. They are, yeah. 
And any kind of anxious state, obviously fear is a part of that. Right. But generalized anxiety is one of the most common disorders amongst people in our country anyway, really to the tune of close to 40 million people suffer with some type of anxiety disorder. And honestly, that number is pre-COVID. So all of the things related to the pandemic, as we know, have only served to increase that. Yeah, I'm sure it has skyrocketed since. You know, we were talking even a little bit in the prep here about that and just how culture has shifted and we are kind of an anxious culture anymore. And some of that is legitimate, I think, but at the same time, we're in that space right now. And I, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to leave that for a while yet. Yeah. It doesn't look like that. And even as we do that, and even before all of this, as you say, already our anxiety and depression rates were rising. And so we'll talk about maybe why that is, but there's a lot of people affected by anxiety. And so I think this is you know, a really important topic. It's one of the things that I know both you and I work with professionally mm-hmm. a lot. And we deal with personally in different ways. We were talking about that before we started, all the things that make us anxious. For me, not so much driving, but parking. Parking in small spaces with lots of people. Really, if I know I'm in the compact car spot, you are, aren't you? You're the guy with the big SUV in the car. I try not to. I have a smaller SUV. I try not to park in the compact spot. But in certain parking lots, I mean, let's go ahead and name names, shall we? Like if you go to Trader Joe's, you don't have a choice. You have to park in the compact. Trader Joe's is just anxiety provoking for many, many reasons. All the way around. I mean, we just talked about this yesterday, but one of my favorite anxiety things is Trader Joe's just as a whole. I love it. It is wonderful. And I love to spend lots of money there. But now with COVID, you have to wait outside in line. So it's almost like you're prepping for a big game. I've never really been a huge athlete, but it's like you're outside the stadium and you know something amazing is going to happen. And now you're waiting for it and there's music and you're Mm -hmm. getting anxious and pumped up. And then you get in the store and it's like I said to you, it's like grocery shopping at Subway. You know, there are people in front and behind you. There's no backseas, no going you backwards. You got to keep it moving. You have to know what you want in that store. Yeah. Get Where it. are the pink and white shortbread cookies? I don't know, but I think I passed them and it's done. It's gone. <laughs> I'm never getting those again. I cannot go backwards. This is the soup Nazi episode of Seinfeld. This is it what really this is. is, this this grocery store. I mean, it's an amazing grocery store, but it really I love is it. anxiety. I'm not trying to badmouth it. I love it. But for me, my anxiety is just totally through the roof because it's like you have to get through it really quickly and not burden anyone else and not take too long. And it's a funny example, but I think an example of what we feel sometimes is just that kind of internal sensation of, like you said, we're going to lose control or something bad is going to happen. And I think that's what we're talking about with anxiety. And that's a good point. I think for us to maybe say some of the ways that people experience anxiety from a bodily perspective. So something like that, obviously, of course, probably for most of us, it's a more minor example, but it has some of those elements. Typically when people are more generally anxious or just anxious more acutely too, sometimes there are some common symptoms to that and some ways to recognize that, right? So a lot of times it's tightness or tenseness. If you're aware, you can realize, oh man, my shoulders are so tight and tense or my jaw is clenched. Like we carry a lot of anxiety in our jaw. 
it can go up from there, right? To either greater states of restlessness, heart speeding faster, you know, as you go up. One of the things that I talk about, maybe two things I talk about with my clients quite a bit, and I'm trying to be aware of is racing thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if your mind is going, going, going really quickly, it's worth at least asking, huh, am I otherwise feeling anxious right now? Because that anxiety tends to just produce just that rapid movement in the mind and anger. I think anger is one of those almost classic signs of anxiety that we miss. And I think that can be for men and women. There's just so much energy physiologically around anxiety. It's got to have some kind of an output. And I think it frequently translates into higher levels of irritability mm-hmm. and frustration and anger. And we don't talk about that so much as a symptom of anxiety. But when I have people that come into my office and they say, now I consistently have this anger thing or anger problem, I'll say to them first, well, I wonder if there's any anxiousness underneath that. It's not always true, it's but it's question. just one of those things. So, Yeah, I, I think know. it shortens our fuse. Is, right. is the thing is, is that fuse is short and then we're impatient already because our mind is literally experiencing this barrage of thoughts. And so when people interact with us, then that's just one more thing. And so oftentimes people who have a lot of anxiety will respond to anger when in reality, it's more probably related to the anxiety than the person. Correct. If you think about this from just a physiological perspective and what's going on in the nervous system when you're anxious, it makes sense, right? Because essentially... The nervous system in anxious states, whether it's general or more acute, the nervous system is really on overdrive. It's doing what it's supposed to do, but we are not supposed to experience anxiety in a general way. You were talking about this before we started that some anxiety is fun. Yeah, There are moments to be appropriately anxious. It's good. Like Our system should be alert at times. What the problem with anxiety really is, is when our system becomes alert and then does not then go back down, right? It doesn't abate. Mm -hmm. That really is the issue with anxiety. And so our bodies were not designed to stay in that hyper alert state. We know it's detrimental health-wise to us. And so it's super critical that we learn and that we're aware of how to get our nervous systems to relax. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point is that anxiety in and of itself is really kind of a neutral thing. There are times actually that anxiety is incredibly helpful because it's a guide and kind of warns us about some stuff and helps us to be mindful where we might not be otherwise. But to your point, we can't live in that space. That's really the issue is occasionally, sure, that makes a lot of sense. But if we live in that space, it's kind of akin to running an engine in overdrive all the time, right? Sometimes that has to happen to get where you need to go, but you can't do that always. Otherwise, it's going to burn out. And so we have to just kind of be mindful of a little bit of anxiety. We really don't. And I tell clients this all the time. We don't actually want to rid you of all anxiety because that's a problem in and of itself. If you never have anxiety, (laughs) A, kind of awesome. B, probably had some pretty bad accidents and stuff happen to you. And so we got to work that out. So we want to have a little bit of anxiety. But the thing that I think we want to change is the relationship with it. Yeah. Because I think when it's at its worst we kind of become a person who works for the anxiety, not the other way around. The anxiety kind of becomes our boss and that is not helpful for us. That's a great point. I think a lot of times this happens for two reasons. Number one, we really aren't terribly aware that we're anxious. I know that's true for me and it's been true for a lot of the people that I've worked with in the office. I will say to them, well, I wonder if that's anxiety. And the first response is like, no, no, I I mean, I don't feel butterflies. And, you know, they look to some of those 
other symptoms than what we said earlier. And, but, you know, upon probing more deeply, if you just pause long enough, if you really especially follow your body in this, I think that's a better indicator than anything else as to whether you're experiencing anxiety. Because if you're thinking about whether you're anxious or not, you're using a part of your brain that actually isn't going to probably help you determine that. If you just pause, I know it sounds like a therapist thing to say, but it is. It, it is. But it works if you pause and you just notice tightness, for example. I mean, are you carrying just kind of heaviness, burden, tightness in your body anywhere? That probably will tell you whether there's an anxiousness behind that or not. Yeah, I think you make a good point is it is hard to tell sometimes, especially if that's become our way of operating. I mean, if that's common for us, unless we really stop or have someone challenge us to stop and think a little bit about it chances are we're just accepting that that's what's normal. Right. So what I'll find when I work with clients is that as they work through their anxiety and get to a healthier spot, they'll often notice, like, I can't believe I live that way. But they don't yeah. notice that until they slow down enough to kind of get it. Because when exactly. we're in that, we're just running all the time. I mean, I think our culture, it really propagates this. We live in that fast-paced, run everywhere be crazy as busy as you can possibly be because, you know, we're all of greater worth if we're really, really busy, I guess. You know, I am. I'm the busiest guy I know and also the most successful. (laughs) I mean, your value is just crazy off the charts. It's crazy. It's, there's really correlates. That is what we tell ourselves, right? Is if if we have anxiety and we work too hard, then apparently that means something to someone And then I think what happened this year, at least, is something came around that actually is legitimately something to be anxious about. And so now we have both this cultural implication of you should be anxious and then also a very legitimate issue that we can be anxious about. And those two things paired together, I think, have really caused a lot of havoc in people's lives. I mean, it's been very difficult. I agree. And along those lines, maybe that's a good segue into we all can be more aware of whether we're anxious or not, at least at times anxious. What do we do with that, right? Because the good news about anxiety is that it responds really well to some really simple things. They're simple, but they work really well. And we've talked about this before with other things, but the first thing is breathing. I know it's out there a lot and people talk about it a lot, but it's talked about a lot because it actually works. I like to breathe very much. I do it every day. Really? Yep. We laugh about this, but if you become more aware of your breathing, you realize, I don't know about you, but how often you're holding your breath. I should have been a free diver because I can (laughs) hold my breath forever. The only thing is I can only do it when I don't know I'm doing it. And then I'll notice. And and to your point, that's exactly right, is we breathe, but we don't really pay much attention to how that works and and what that's about. And you will notice if you're an anxious person, you'll hold your breath. I mean, that is something that just immediately, like you said, through some intentional breathing, you will feel better if you do. You will. And so for anyone listening to this, as you're aware of any anxiety, the very best thing you can do is breathe more deeply and breathe more slowly. And there are simple tools for that. You can measure your breath in and measure your breath out. By the way, if you exhale for longer than your breath in, you engage your vagus nerve, which is really, really helpful, especially in calming your nervous system down. So it's just a little thing, but the breathing really works. It's just that since we have to do it to live, we don't think about it. And that's the crazy thing. And I was saying this to a client yesterday, that 
you know, I think tools that are outside of what we normally do sometimes are a little easier to remember because they're different, but we are breathing all the time, of course, unless we're holding our breath, which we do a lot. And so I don't think about breathing and breath work that much. And I think sometimes we feel it's too simple. Like, oh, well, that's just deep breathing. Like that's going to calm me down. I don't think so. It, but it does. It really does. It does in a good way. I'm a little higher class. Like I need something a little more complicated. Can you like do breathing, but put some glitter on it? Or could you Uh, charge me a lot of money for it? Because it would feel more valuable. Sure. I tell you what, why don't you give me your credit card and I'll teach you some breathing methods. Not again. That's a good point is we look at it and we just go, couldn't be that easy. And I hate to tell you this, and it's a hard lesson for me, but a lot of these things are just that easy. We just don't do them. We don't do them. And so I think the practice is what's really important. I think too, meditation helps with breathing because literally it's focusing on breathing among other things. So I think that Mm -hmm. can be helpful. I think also something that I would tell clients a lot is to first just practice some acceptance around the fact that you're having anxiety. So sometimes what happens is people go, I'm anxious about this thing that is seemingly illogical or unrealistic, and then they judge it. And then they have anxiety about having anxiety. So they go, this is totally crazy. What am I even doing? I'm afraid of this thing, or I'm anxious about it. I shouldn't be And then now the anxiety is about having anxiety. And I like to tell people just, it's okay. You have permission to be anxious. That is totally okay. The more we fight it, the worse it will get. It's so true. Anxiety is unusual in the sense that most things, you don't feel more of that thing because of it. But anxiety absolutely 100% feeds itself. And the anxiety because I'm anxious about that is a very real phenomenon that happens. And of course, then it's just that snowball effect. It doesn't work and then just gets harder and harder to come back down. So I love that point. I think that's really so true. It's a unique aspect of anxiety that is not true of other things that I think in general that we struggle with. One of the things that also is really important to say here, I think, is that in so many ways, I think maybe as a society, we have lost our anchors and you and I both are men of faith. We have to have something bigger than ourselves to go to, Um, not only when we're anxious, but just in general to get through life. And God is that place. And it's funny to say that it's a good anxiety management tool, but also, you know, God happens to be a very real being and really interacts with us. And I think that in that relationship, we are guaranteed to be able to have a place to go and take our cares and then get back peacefulness. And that has meant the world to me in this adult space that I'm living in with all the adult problems that we all have. So I want to say that because I think that is really, really important in all of this. I think that is a good point is if it's just up to us to manage everything, then some of these things are unmanageable and they're really overwhelming and we don't know how right. to, to your point or, or wording, get an anchor in all of that. And we're just caught up in the storm. And so I think, like you said, we have to have those anchors that we can go back to and things that are bigger than us to give us perspective. Because when we really take a step back, and a lot of people know this, but when we really take a step back, these anxieties that we have, most of them are unrealistic. Most of them are things that are probably not going to happen. They're probably illogical. And so we need perspective to see that. And we need a place to have that perspective, which for a lot of people, like you were saying, is faith, I think. That's a really good point. That stepping back from and just having a little perspective, it's just such a critical piece in this. And then I like what you said earlier, which is just the non-judgmental part of that. 
Because if we can leave that part aside, then we can just deal with whatever probably is evoking the anxiety. And sometimes it's generalized. I really think there's a genetic component, there's an epigenetic component, there's a trauma component. Like we want to, you know, say this is multifaceted, this thing. We don't want to be overly reductionistic about it. But even with that, if we can just let the judgment go and deal with it as it is and do some of these things that we're talking about, it, it really truly does get better. It responds. Anxiety gets better if you do these things. So, Absolutely. So I think if we're in that position where we're feeling anxiety and goodness, if you are, first and foremost, that's pretty normal, especially yeah. this year. So For I think sure. I would put that out there just to kind of recap is that if you're hearing this and you're going, man, that sounds like me a little bit, or Jason's nuts, Trader Joe's isn't that bad. Whatever it is that you're taking away from this, just know first and foremost that it's probably more normal than you think. And the yeah. way that you're feeling is probably more similar to others than you might think it is. And then practice some of these things. But yeah. above all else, taking that time to just slow down is really going to help. Because I don't know about you, Mike, but when I'm helping clients, I mean, that is literally the first step is we have to it take is. that deep breath and just slow down enough to even see what's happening. Right. And be aware. Absolutely. It's hard to do that. It's much easier to just run around like chickens with our head cut off. Just like, yeah. Right. Pretty much. And I know as we talk about the holidays and stuff, sometimes that can be a great excuse to take, you know, whatever, a couple minutes or an hour and to really sit down and kind of slow down and reflect on what's going on. And so if you've got some time on your hands coming up, I might suggest just sitting down and just contemplating a little bit. What am I feeling? How I've been feeling generally? And what is that about? And to do that without having to judge it, but just an understanding and acceptance, and then we can go from there. Yeah, I think that's a really good word. Sometimes we have a little bit more time at the holidays, but unless there's intentionality around that, just things, you know, it just fills up. Work. Fills up. So hopefully if you're hearing this, you are learning some new things today that you can practice. If you have questions about this or you're wondering a little bit more detail on how to manage anxiety, you can certainly reach out to us, send us a message. We so very much appreciate everyone listening and hope that this is helpful to you and your family. Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Mike and I would also like to ask that if you've been enjoying the podcast, could you share it with a friend? We've loved getting all the feedback and comments thus far. Thanks. Thanks.